Hey, Outcomes Rocket listeners, Saul Marquez here. I get what a phenomenal asset a podcast could be for your business and also how frustrating it is to navigate editing and production, monetization, and achieving the ROI you're looking for. Technical busy work shouldn't stop you from getting your genius into the world though. You should be able to build your brand easily with a professional podcast that gets attention. A patched up podcast could ruin your business. Let us do the technical busy work behind the scenes while you share your genius on the mic and take the industry stage. Visit smoothpodcasting.com to learn more. That's smoothpodcasting.com to learn more. Hey, welcome back to the podcast, everyone. Saul Marquez here. And today I have the privilege of hosting Albert Tai. He is the founder and CEO of Hypercare, a healthcare technology company that connects the right healthcare providers at the right time to collaborate for patient care in hospital and community settings. Starting at 11 years old, he started programming and created several software companies. During his master's degree, he shadowed doctors and hospital on call that And he was really just shocked that they were still using pagers and fax machines to communicate about patients in our day-to-day. And so he devoted himself to creating a better solution for patient care. And out of that is where Hypercare was born, which is what we're going to be talking about today. But I just want to, first of all, Albert, say thanks for joining us today. And I'm really excited for our conversation. Yeah, thanks for having me today. That was a wonderful intro. Thank you. Yeah. No, hey, man, you've done some cool stuff at a very young age. And, you know, in this area of healthcare, it doesn't matter who or what age, it just matters that results are delivered. And so I love that that's what you and your team are focused about. Before we dive into hypercare and the work that you guys are doing, tell us a little bit more about you, Albert, and, you know, what inspires your work in healthcare? Yeah. Great question. So, you know, I always wanted to, and I'll touch probably a little bit upon it a little bit later, where I wanted to go into computer science. But my family wanted me to go to healthcare. So I did medical science for my undergrad and I slowly convinced them. So I did a double major in computer science and I graduated. And I thought like, you know, I left like the healthcare setting behind because I was really passionate in computer science. And when I was doing my master's, uh, one of the course projects was kind of like building a software company itself. And I learned through that course project, it was a healthcare setting by having three doctors as mentors, how broken the healthcare system was. Like from a, coming from a technology perspective, I just thought healthcare would be this magical place where every single software, every single medical device that the healthcare system could afford would be used to you know, maximize patient outcome. And what I saw was a complete different you know, show where you know, providers was having patient binders actually printed out, trying to find these binders, spending a lot of valuable time changing things around. And it was so archaic. And I even learned what a pager was. I, I was born... I mean, <laughs> like what was a pager? <laughs> yeah, and it was so archaic and so outdated so that funny. I was I was trying to buy even a pager on Craigslist, and I couldn't even find someone who had a pager that was working. And so um, that made me really motivated to come and solve these uh, impactful problems. And for me, I've always really cared about impactful problems in itself. I think just spending time on that is more worthwhile. So yeah, that's how I got into healthcare. That's awesome, man. <laughs> You're like, where can I get one of these pager things? Yeah. They don't sell them anywhere. <laughs> I was like trying to understand how it worked. I'm like, wait, so it's one directional. You get a phone number. What do you do with this phone number after? That's oh, you so call funny. it back. So anyways, 
super archaic. I love it, man. Yeah, you know, I had a guest several years ago say he was a physician. He's like, the only people that use pagers besides physicians are drug dealers. So, <laughs> so totally archaic. I agree with you 100%. And so let's talk about what you guys are doing, Albert, with hypercare. Tell us a little bit about how your business, hypercare, is adding value to the healthcare ecosystem. Yeah, good question as well. And then, by the way, there's an update to that joke now. So even drug dealers don't use pagers. They use oh uh, smartphones, right? <laughs> and they still just <laughs> both smartphones because it's so cheap now. So unfortunately, That's even hilarious. drug dealers don't use pagers. But uh, yeah, so in terms of the healthcare system and for providers, one of the things I saw when I was shadowing providers was the amount of time they're chasing each other around. I didn't realize how complicated care coordination was in healthcare, even within an acute setting like a hospital. You have, you know, patients coming in and you have multiple care providers taking care of them. Back in the days, you used to be one doctor that took care of you from beginning to end. And now you have like the emergency doctor that gets you in and then realize, okay, you need a surgery. So he sends you back to radiology and all these different fragmented specialties with different providers, doctors, nurses, allied health workers all need to work seamlessly well together. And unfortunately, there's only something called a pager, which is this, uh, this fun thing. Oh, and you actually have one. Yeah, I do have one. I got <laughs> this from one of the hospitals. And it's a little bit archaic. So the only way, like, if I wanted to page you, usually I'll page you probably because of your specialty. So I realized my patient needs surgery, for example. And I need to figure out who's on call. There could be multiple surgeons working, but only one person's on call. And in order to figure that out, I actually had to pick up a phone, uh, usually a landline, and I call mm-hmm. a switchboard, which is basically a call center. So... Back in the days with phone lines, you have switchboard that connects you together. Unfortunately, healthcare still has switchboard operators, and they're the ones who know who exactly is on call. And they look up the surgeon, look up that pager number, and then call you on their behalf. And then I have to sit by the phone until you call me back. And if I have to somehow go take care of the patient because they're deteriorating, I'm going to miss that callback and now have to go through that whole process again. So it's not uncommon for people to spend the whole day playing phone tag with one another for something that's five minutes because I get busy, you get busy. And so essentially what we have done here is we built a care coordination platform that if you work at the hospital, you work in the community, wherever you work, you can figure out one another, you can communicate with each other and can figure out who's on call all in real time, all in one platform. Well, it's certainly necessary. And so talk to us a little bit about how it works exactly and how is it typically adopted? Who's using it? You know, talk us through that. Yeah. So I have to kind of lay out a little bit more of the problem before I kind of talk about how it kind of works. So unfortunately, the pager is only the beginning of the problem. So with um, healthcare settings, typically there's on-call schedules, as I mentioned. It's all fragmented. So typically at healthcare organizations, each department will send their own call schedules to the switchboard. And it could be on Excel, it could be on Word document, it could be scribbled on a piece of paper. And the poor department every night has to make the master schedule who's on call the next day. And Mm -hmm. any last minute changes, all these switchboard operators have to cross it out on a piece of paper and say, this is the person on call instead. And so we have to kind of begin with the problem. So in order to solve this problem, we got to understand where the call schedule is. And unfortunately, since it's not consolidated, we had to build a platform where we allowed department heads directly to put in who's on call into hypercare. And then this list allows anybody in the healthcare organization to figure out who's on call. So there's no need now to call into switchboard. With the platform itself, I can look up the surgeon, uh, the resident in surgery that's on call today and then directly communicate with them. And then it's very similar like to WhatsApp or iMessage, where it's a compliant messaging solution where it can send clinical information, 
images, which is super important in the healthcare setting. It's so right. hard to try to describe a wound over a phone call. Sending a picture of the wound is so much easier. So much. Makes a lot of sense. And then you can also even send like urgent messages over hypercare, which actually bypass you, do not disturb. It's very similar to Amber Alert. So wake you up and even does automatic escalation. So call you as well. And now we're moving towards even giving clinical alerts to providers. So for example, during COVID, we even let clinicians know if their patient who has COVID was rapidly deteriorating and it would message them with urgent alert and also message the infectious disease team as well. So it's really amazing what kind of technology can be enabled. And this all provides um, providers with a closed loop. So you know exactly someone has seen it, has read it and all that stuff compared to pager, which is one directional unknown until you call me back. Yeah, no, that's great, Albert. And you guys are covering really a lot of different care settings. Do you, do you care to highlight where exactly the platform is being used? And maybe not all of them, or maybe high level all of them, and then zoom into one that you yeah. feel like it's most impactful? Yeah. Um, so we're a relatively young company. We just got our first deployment uh, in last year in uh, February. I mean, we're exactly scaring. So uh, you know, in healthcare, as you probably already know, no one wants to be first, second, or third. And now, now, thankfully, we're actually in more than 60 healthcare organizations. We're awesome. um, a lot of different, unique, interesting care settings. We're like, you know, pro- providing care for providers who are taking care of the native reserve up in rural BC who has no internet except satellite internet. And it's like super wonderful to see how they've been using hypercare. We're also in mental health organizations that go directly into people's homes. We're in home care and palliative care, taking care of people at the end of life. We're also in, in entire hospitals. And recently we deployed, got deployed at um, an entire greater Toronto area for the actual primary platform to coordinate care for the homeless population. So if oh, you okay. probably imagine especially during COVID, homeless patients can't just go back to shelter because they're going to reinfect everybody. Right. And so you have to got, get them set up with a hotel and everything. And there's a lot of social aspects as well as clinical operations. And that's all done through hypercare. I think the best case of like hypercare success has to be with this hospital. They deployed in November of last year. And within a month, they had about 200 clinicians on hypercare, all from different specialty, primarily physicians. And now um, I'm really proud to say, but we're nearly 800, over, a little bit over 800 clinicians now on hypercare with nurses, pharmacists, social workers, and they even involve the family providers that is around the area. So they don't work at the hospital, but now they can communicate with the hospital specialist with one click of the button and be able to send messages. And some of the really interesting cases they've been able to do is like, for example, is they have a you know, patient with retinal detachment. They've been able to set up an appointment directly with the ophthalmologist for the next day for the patient. So the patient doesn't have to go to the emergency room, spend hours waiting for no reason, and then go back for the appointment. And so right. we've been able to reduce emergency readmission rate. And then on top of that, really fascinating stuff too, is we have a graph that executives provided where um, the pager uses decreased extremely rapidly as our messages increased. And that organization now sends over 40,000, I think, messages a month. That's awesome. And so the usage of the pager, like probably almost eliminated, you know, like think about how much does a pager plan cost compared to what you guys offer, right? I mean, it's probably like maybe even cost savings (laughs) on top of that. Yeah, it's it's crazy. Like as I get deeper and deeper, there's so much like a uh, really archaic technology that they adopt that a lot of them cost more than six figures a year that we're basically replacing, consolidating. Like you have to get a pager software just to page out. So you don't have to pick up the phone and call out as a switchboard operator. There's on-call schedule management. 
There's a scheduling software that departments use. There's escalation. So right now we're deployed in settings where entire team needs to be activated because a heart attack patient came in. And we do automatic escalation, so we call them. And previously, like some poor fellow would pick up the phone and keep calling each provider until they came to the hospital to treat these this heart attack patient. But that also costs more than six figures with some of our competition. So we've been able to consolidate all with one platform. So yeah, a ton of ROI for the healthcare systems for sure. That's awesome. And obviously during, I mean, it's always been an issue, but especially now during COVID, right? We have to be extremely mindful of our spend. And so it's certainly refreshing to hear there's an alternative to help care coordination without having to significantly break the bank. And so talk to us a little bit about some of the outcomes you've been able to improve or business models you've been able to innovate on with this product. Yeah, uh, that's a great question. So with the outcomes, like I think the patient stories are always the best stories. So in the case with the family providers being able to talk to specialists right away, They've been able to reduce the amount of ED emissions because they've been able to quickly figure it out. There's also other cases where they had a COVID patient discharged from the hospital, but on a discharge form, they're supposed to be at the hospital. So they were able to clarify with the specialist and figure out why the patient wasn't at the hospital itself. We also being able to see the actual response time. So for the healthcare system, they can actually see, okay, general surgery is responding really slow compared to internal medicine, figure out why maybe there's a lot of saturation in terms of patients going in or amount of messages sent over there as well. And another outcome too is seeing the pager decrease as well as the WhatsApp usage decrease. So a lot of clinicians adopt like WhatsApp or iMessage because it's so much better for patient care, but it's not compliant and it's also right. limiting your personal network. And so with all the healthcare settings we've been deployed at, they've been able to see a huge amount of decrease around that too. So they've been extremely happy around that. And then lastly, the number of calls calling to switchboard. So being able to reduce that number of calls too. Switchboard also handles patients calling in. So now they can focus more of the energy on patients calling in rather than trying to triage all these provider requests as well. So those are kind of stories that we've been able to enable. Response times with some of the organizations are lower than one minute. So one of the healthcare organizations we recently deployed at had less than 60 second response times for per message, which is fabulous to see that. And I was looking at my own organization, it was like 6,000 seconds at median. So it's kind of funny <laughs> you know, the difference, difference between that. Yeah. Yeah, that's awesome, man. Kudos to you and your team for really some of the results that you guys are able to help create for your clients. And as you reflect on the work that's been done, the hard work with development, the hard work with user experience, what would you say is one of the biggest setbacks you guys have experienced and a key learning that came from that? Yeah. So I think in startups, especially, there's a lot of chicken and egg because there's always that problem of not enough resources. And early on, we had this problem where we understood the problem fundamental level by shadowing doctors and talking to a few hundred doctors. But the problem we had was convincing investors to give us money. And a lot of investors were very skeptical of healthcare because it's a very regulatory environment. It takes a while to scale and everything around that. So, you know, we had to convince a healthcare organization to adopt hypercare. And we successfully did that by pitching to a C-level executive at the organization and the entire C-level was all bought in. And so we're rolling out pilot with general surgery. On the other hand, we actually hadn't even raised money yet. So our product was not completely stable. And one of the things we learned and failed at was when we deployed, our application was crashing. And mm -hmm. one of the reasons why too was because we realized as a team product, you have a fragmentation of devices. So in this case, an 85-year-old doctor who had this phone like, you know, six years or 10 years ago, like super old smartphone. It was a smartphone, surprisingly, but it was super, super old. 
And they're crashing on that. And we learned very quickly that healthcare was definitely not a landscape or definitely not an environment that people tolerate these things. Mm -hmm. You only have one try, basically. You either it works or you disappoint them. And people don't want to try again. Clinicians, especially because they have so little time. So one of the things we quickly learned from the lesson and we moved on and we established that within our own company is first off, we hired a QA engineer super early. While a lot of people would probably, a lot of companies, technology companies would probably hire engineers to build. We hired engineers to test really quickly. Second was we now under promise and over deliver (laughs) rather than vice versa. That's super Mm -hmm. disappointing for people. And lastly, you don't want to make the users feel like they're beta testing. And we've learned a ton about this because it's not an industry where people get excited about testing new products. They're really skeptical of new products. You got to make sure it works and they're not going to give you a second try. So we learned a ton about that. Thankfully, we were able to raise our money. And thankfully, we're still friends with that general surgeon that we disappointed. But yeah, that was a big lesson for us. Yeah, for sure, man. And sounds like you guys responded to it quickly. QA engineer and some, you know, probably operating procedures within the company to make sure that those things didn't repeat themselves. Kudos to your learnings. You're obviously, you know, in 60 plus health systems now. What are you most excited about today? Yeah. So I'm really excited about all the technology innovations that are being adopted during COVID. Because with COVID that went on, there was a lot of stress into the healthcare system that previously people saw, but it was just not breaking under the strain. So a lot of technology innovations that was adopted rapidly. I've seen people even adopt like Eventbrite, for example to do uh, bookings to COVID assessment centers, which I never imagined. Also, even yeah. prevalent of Zoom. Like prior to COVID, I never saw a hospital system that used Zoom. They use like WebEx and Cisco and, you know, and I think one of the things that gets me really excited is that I feel that healthcare is moving towards a direction that even administrators are adopting solutions that they feel is actually the best solution. Not just like, oh, they have a big brand name, but actually does it work in production? Does it deliver the results that you want to do? So I hope it stays after COVID. One of the themes I see during COVID is like transferring information between each other. So I've seen a lot of prevalence around like even sharing records or sharing medical records and CT scans, images, all that stuff during COVID. And I feel that we're going to move towards that direction even more. And, you know, there's big players like even Apple that allows you to see your own health record and try and build an entire ecosystem. So I'm really excited about that. Personally, as a company as well, we're also moving towards that direction. We have a lot of primary care providers that send patient charts to specialists at the hospital. And right now, unfortunately, they have to export the chart as a PDF. So I'm really excited to build a lot of integrations around that to solve additional problems. And I think in five years, we'll probably see the landscape completely different. Uh, and the expectations really also change too. As a patient, back in the days, you're like, yeah, that's just healthcare. But now, no, we've seen what things work and what things don't work and what things disappoint us in the healthcare system as even as a patient, right? So yeah, that's cool. And it is exciting. I agree with you. There's an opportunity to do more in this landscape where there's higher acceptance for things that are doing the job, not just because it has a name that is, you know, legacy inside of the system. So kudos to you and your team, Albert. As we conclude our chat today, I'd love just for you to give the listeners a closing thought. And then the best place they could visit with you and and learn more about what you guys have to offer, a place where they could connect with you. Of course. Um, So I think one of the feedback I've given 
to both physicians as well as technology leaders that are trying to innovate in healthcare is to make sure you understand the workflow very deeply. I think with physicians, they're more of not understanding where to find, you know, engineers and evaluating whether or not it's a good engineer. But I think from the technology standpoint, I think many people try to force technology into healthcare or even like other industries without understanding exactly the pain point. And I think it's important for any engineer who's out there solving for healthcare to shadow clinicians, to talk to them as much as possible early stages to understand deeply about their workflow. I've heard of a lot of success stories even living I know, for example, I shadowed and lived at the hospital. I know people who lived at the nursing home when they solved a nursing home problem. So I think fundamentally try to put yourself in there. And I think there's a ton of problems with the healthcare system that physicians would be happy or clinicians in general would be happy to share that with engineers too. So I think engineers should actually seek out and, and talk to clinicians because there's a ton of problems and they don't have enough time or expertise to actually solve them. And then for them, if they have any questions or I'm happy to help as well, I'd love to see healthcare grow. They can reach out to me as well. They can send an email to albert at hypercare.com or add me on LinkedIn. Awesome, Albert. That's great. And folks, take Albert up on the invitation to connect and learn more. Hypercare.com is their website. Tons of great resources there where you could learn and interact, check out a demo. And so uh, my favorite is the wall of love. I thought that was pretty clever. All the testimonials of satisfied customers that they have. Albert, awesome work today. Uh, Really appreciate what you guys are doing and the work that's making such a big difference in care coordination, man. Keep up the great work and so glad you made time to be with us today. Thank you and fantastic to be on your podcast. Thank you. Thanks, Albert. Hey, Outcomes Rocket listeners. No podcast? No problem. Launch a professional podcast you'll love in four weeks. Most people hire production companies to edit and distribute content that sounds bad and does nothing for their revenue or their network. But you could turn the key to a made-to-order podcast and skip all the pitfalls that make 90% of shows discontinue after five episodes. We've got the expertise, the elbow grease, and you're back on this one. Visit smoothpodcasting.com to learn more. That's smoothpodcasting.com to learn more.